Okay, good morning. Um, today's daf is daf tzadi. Um, I'm going to go from the about the seventh last line of Peites Amud Beis 89b. Today's shir is Leilunishmas Ben Zion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi Avram Ben Yaakov and Yehuda Leib Ben Ephraim. May their memories uh, be a blessing and may the neshamas have an aliyah. Um, it's quite, I was hoping to get up to the, I'm hoping to get up to the Mishnah. That's at the bottom of the next Amud, but it's quite a long and tricky daf, so let's see how it goes. Um, so the Gemara starts with, um, with the Bryce again, continue. Remember, we've been discussing appointing and joining people to your common Pesach. So, Ton Rabbonin Hamamane Achar if someone appoints others to join him al on his Pesach and his Chagigah, the money that he has in his hands is Chulin. The money that they pay to him to join his Pesach is Chulin. We're going to have to work on understanding this. This is what a big part of the, of the top of the next page is trying to understand why is it chulin? I'll explain shortly. If someone tries to sell his oila and shlomim, it's ineffective. And oila and shlomim, um, the, the standard way to understand it is that once it's dedicated as a sacrifice, as an oila or a shlomim, it belongs to Hashem. And therefore you don't have the rights to sell it. And any money received for them, i.e. if someone pays you to buy your oil and shlomim, obviously the sale doesn't go through, but that money goes to the temple to offer sacrifices. Wait, you just told me that the sale's totally ineffective. If, I try, if someone tries to buy a shlomim from you, it's not, uh, um, it's ineffective. So why should it then become a nadova? Why should it become a holy money that must be used for a sacrifice? So Omarova Knasa, Rova says it is a knas. This is why the buyer, the person who tried to buy these sacrifices, is penalized for instigating this illegal, for trying to do this illegal transaction of buying a korban. And therefore he's penalized and the money that he tried to pay to buy a korban Again, he's not buying a chulin animal to use as a korban. He's buying an animal that's already been dedicated by one person as an animal, as a korban. So trying to buy that is Ill- uh, illegal against halacha. And therefore he's penalized and the money goes to the temple to use for sacrifices. And here this reminded me of uh, Basil. So even messaged him. Rashi explains. says, why is the... If you, it's interesting. He says, only the buyer's penalized. So he says, Lav achbar ganav ganav. The seller's not the one. It's not the mass... That is really the thief. It's the hole that is the thief. I, the hole enables him to steal. So this person who has a korban clearly wanted to offer a korban. And only because this person came along and tr- the buyer came along and tried to instigate a sale is he liable. Okay, carrying on. He says, Michael Shaheen, what do you mean any amount? We said any amount of money or however much money is tried to use in the sale goes to Nadova. So he says, no, Afal Gabdullah, Shob El Arba, Chamisha. It's because the rabbis went so far to say that even if he tried to pay five when the animal was only worth four. So some of the money is definitely not de- directly in correlation to the value of the korban. The rabbis still penalized him and all the money he tried to pay, even the extra, becomes 
has to be given to the temple to use for their carbonas. Okay, now the Gemara goes on to the next one. It says, Omarula vi Taimir Abashaya, Efsher di Yod, Efsher Yod, Echavri Pablai, Taimir Dahai Milsa. Do you think our Babylonian colleagues understand the reason for the following? So, Zeh Hefresh Tlele Pischo, Zeh Hefresh Maus Le Pescho. One person dedicates a lamb, separates a lamb for his Koban Pesach, and another person separates money for his Koban Pesach. Why, why does he dedicate money? Because he knows he's going to pay someone to join in their Korban Pesach. Remember, that's what we've been discussing up here. You have a group of people eating a Korban Pesach. So one person will go buy the animal and dedicate that as the Pesach. And everyone will buy a fair share. So he's bought an animal for a thousand rand. And he wants the ten people joining in. So they'll each pay a hundred rand. It's, however, it's just an example of splitting it. So one separates money. One separates his Hegdesh, Chalal Hegdesh. How? How does the Hegdesh fall on the Hegdesh that the money in his hand is Chulim? So this is the question we're dealing with. I'll explain it in other words. Is that generally what happens is if someone has an animal that, or if someone dedicates money for a sacrifice, what, what does he do with that money? He buys an animal with that money. The Kedusha transfers from the money to the animal. So the animal becomes Kadosh and the money left in his hand is Chulim. Now that doesn't seem to work by Koban Pesach. And the Mishnah said it's the same thing with the Koban, the Brisa we just quoted said it's the same thing by Koban Pesach. If you have money that is Kodosh and you try to buy a share in a Koban Pesach, which is Kodosh, where's the Kedusha transferring from to? They can't transfer from the money to the sacrifice. The sacrifice is already Kodosh. So why does the Brisa teach that the money in his hand is Kodosh? Again, the standard just this is one this is the question that the Gemara is going to be dealing with, so let's just get it clear. Generally, when you have money that is Kodosh and an animal that is Khulin, when you use that money to buy the animal, the Kedusha transfers from the money to the animal and therefore the money becomes Khulin, non-sacred, and you can do what you want with it. But in the case of the Pesach, you have one person who dedicates a Koban Pesach, so it's Kodosh. You have another person who sets aside money for his Pesach, so it's Kodosh. And then he tries to transfer the money. So then when he buys a share in the Korban, where does the Kedusha go? The Kedusha should remain on the money. But this Brisa that we just learned said that the money becomes Chulin. So now, just before we go into understanding the answer, which is also a little bit of a roundabout way to come at the answer, there are a few concepts and principles we have to also get clear. So the, the first point is, there's a Machloikes coming up. Um, Rebi and Rabbonin. What can your owner do with this money used to buy Koban Pesach? The Rabbonin, according to Rabbonin, it has to be used for things directly related in eating the Koban Pesach. So, for example, firewood or something like that to cook the Pesach. But when this owner is paid, so again, he buys a Koban Pesach and he's paid money by other people to join his Pesach. According to Rabbonin, that money can only be used for what's necessary for the Pesach. According to Rebbe, that money can be used for anything. That money basically is Chulin, which is kind of now you see where we're heading with our Mishnah, um, with our answer, how come the money in his hand is Chulin. But Rebbe says the money can be used for Chulin. The difficulty with that is, as we just explained, when you're trying to transfer from Kodosh money to a Kodosh animal, where does the Kedusha go? Why is the money Chulin, according to Rebbe? 
if it was a non-sacred animal and you try to transfer the money, the Kedusha from the money to the animal by buying it, fine, I'm happy with that. But when they both Kodosh, where does the Kedusha go? You're not transferring the Kedusha from the money to the animal. It should remain on the animal. So there's two ways. And this is what a buyer is going to be pointing out over the sugya. And you've got to get these two ways very clear in your mind to understand. There are two ways to explain Rebbe. And basically what a buyer is going to say is we see Rebbe Oshia used one way to explain Rebbe. I would have actually used another way to the other way to explain Rebbe. What are the two ways to explain Rebbe? The first way is that the owner doesn't designate the Korban Pesach as completely holy. I, when he declares this is my Pesach, it's not a full-on declaration making it a Pesach. It's only a partial declaration. And the reason, or sanctification, and the reason he does that is so that he can sell portions in it. So again, he only partially sanctifies his Korban Pesach so that he can sell money. The other way is no. That the person who sets aside money for a Korban Pesach only, only partially sanctifies the money so that when he, pays the own, when he pays the owner, the owner can do what he wants with the money. So there's two ways. Where is the, the, there's two ways of understanding Rebbe. Either that the person who sanctified his Pesach withheld, withdrew, um, let's you know, withheld some of the Kedusha, left over some of the Kedusha. He didn't fully sanctify the Korban Pesach. And therefore the money, therefore the owner can sell it and the money used transfers from the Kodosh money to the non-Kodosh Pesach and makes it Kodosh. Or the second way is that, no, the money is... Uh, um, it's the money that the owner doesn't, the person who's sanctifying the money or designating his money as his Korban Pesach, he doesn't do that fully. So again, the two answers, is it the Pesach that is not consecrated fully or is it the money that is not consecrated fully? Um, yeah. Now, generally, we would under, there's a now to understand the price under the So that's the principle that's going to be at play and used to answer our question. But to understand the discussion, we have to understand the brisa in a Mishnah in Tamura. We know there's an issur to, to uh, if an animal. Well, it's esnan zoyno mechir kelev. An animal used to pay a prostitute cannot be used as a korban. And a, similarly, um, something used to buy a dog can also not be used as a korban. But the focus here is on esnan zona. So if someone used a korban to pay a zona for her services, that, doesn't, that can still be used as a korban. And the general understanding is because a korban doesn't belong to the owner. A korban belongs to Shomayim. Mamun Gvohu, it belongs to heaven. So when he uses this korban to pay the zona, it doesn't lose its sanctification. It's not his to, to deconsecrate that it becomes invalid as a korban. However, the mission in Tamura is a little bit tricky because there it says... It's a, um, by the Mishnah in Tamura, again, this will come up later on the page, but we need to understand it before we get there. Um, the Mishnah in Tamura kind of implies that you need a special drosha to tell us that that doesn't work in this case. Then we need a special drosha. Now, if it's as I explained, the standard understanding is something that is a korban cannot is not really the owners to deconsecrate, and therefore when he gives it to this man, uh, when he uses it to play the zona. 
it doesn't lose its sanctification and it can still be a korban. It can't be that standard case. Because then why do we need a special pasuk to tell us that the, it doesn't become osur? So that's what we're going to see now. He's going to bring Rebbe Oshaya, who says that it must be a korban Pesach. And he's going to ascribe to Rebbe's first reason, is that when a person sanctifies a korban Pesach, he's not sanctifying Chuli. Uh, sanctifying it fully. He's retaining ownership in it. Remember we said there were two ways. Either the owner withholds some of the sanctification of the Pesach, or the people who buy their share in his Korban Pesach withhold some of the sanctification from the money. So Reboshaya goes with the first one, that the owner withholds some of the sanctification in the Pesach. And that's the Chidush. When he takes this Pesach, that is not really Kadosh, and uses it to pay a zona, it still doesn't become Osir, even though in many aspects... It is his. So, so what's the case? So, Omar Abaya, he loved the Ukmareboshayla, he bamamanezan al pischa. Abaya says, if not for the fact that Reboshaya explained that Bryce, that mission in Tmura, as where someone paid a zona by joining them on their Pesach. The Rebbe, he, and it's actually Rebbe. Who says, because remember, Rebbe says that you don't fully sanctify the Korban Pesach. I would have given a different answer. That that case is dealing with lower level sanctity Korbanos. And in accordance with Rebbe Yossi Aglili. And in line with Rebbe Yossi Aglili. Who says that Kodshim Kalim is the money of an owner. Um, what's that saying? Abai says, I've got an easier way to explain that Mishnah. Why it's such a, why is it such a novel idea that when he pays this zona, the sacrifice does not become osur? So Abai says, there's an easy way to understand it, that we're dealing with Shlomim, Bechor, Maser, Pesach, etc. One of these animals that are lesser level sanctity, and a contribution who holds that he still owns them. Therefore, if he owns them, you would think that this animal is his, and when he pays the zona, it should become osur. As a etnan zona, so he says no. He says aval inish, but I would assume that a person doesn't when they dedicate their korban pesach, they don't withhold kedusha from it. And he says v'maz vaday meshar inchi de meikoriki mafrish lehu adaita dahachi mafrish lehu. And with money, there that's where specifically someone withholds their kedusha. I when they when they set, dedicate money to be used for their pesach. They're dedicating it on condition that the person that they buy a share in their Koban Pesach, that he can use it for whatever he wants. And that also fits in. And then this Brysa that we were asking about in the previous page is Rebi, and that's why the money in his hand is Chulin. So just in short, again, to bring out, we're going to repeat some of these points again. It's a little bit hard to follow Gomorrah just because it's repeating the points. But just to bring out the primary principle, we, again, we had two ways of learning Rebbe. Rebbe came along and said that when you dedicate a Pesach, when you buy a share in a Pesach, that money is Chulin. We said, how can it trans? why is it Chulin? A transfer where the Kedusha from the money is going to the Kedusha on the Pesach. Where does the Kedusha is not transferred from anywhere to anywhere? So how's the money Chulin? So we said there's two possibilities. One is that the... And that the 
owner, when he dedicates the Korban Pesach, when he sanctifies the Korban Pesach, he doesn't sanctify it fully. And the second possibility is no, when the person who sanctifies the money to buy a share in a Korban Pesach, he doesn't sanctify the money fully, uh, completely. And Abayah says, Rev. clearly takes the first one. As, as he explains the Brisa in t- the Mishnah in Tmura. What? The first way is that when a person sanctifies their Korban Pesach, they do not sanctify it fully. And that's why the Mishnah needs a whole special drosha to show that if someone uses his Pesach to pay a Zona, it doesn't become Osur because it's really not fully sanctified. So it should become Osur as if you'd, as Chulin, if you would pay, take a regular lamb and give it to a Zona as payment, she could not use that as a Korban. So, so too with the Korban Pesach that you give to a Zona as payment should become Osur because it's not completely Chulin. So that's Rav Oshaya. But it says, but I would rather learn um, I would have been more comfortable to learn that when a person sanctifies an animal, they sanctify it fully as their Korban Pesach. Where's the where's their not a full sanctity? The person who sets aside money. And he says, Yo, over Maos, and regarding the Mishnah in Tamura, Vada Mashar Inish, a person does not fully sanctify the money. Vahida Komuki Lorebushaya Karebi, Loi Mukmina Layana Karebi. This that a buyer than a Revoshaya has to establish the Mishnah in Tamura like Rebi, I would not have done that. I would have said that a person does not really withhold the money. Does not. I would have said that when a person sanctifies their Korban Pesach, they do so fully and it becomes a fully consecrated animal. Oh, so then again, where's the money? Because I would go with the second understanding that when a person sanctifies money to buy a share in a Korban Pesach, he doesn't sanctify it fully. And then you don't need to um, understand it like Rabbi Yoisi who said we're dealing with light level sanctity. Because... Uh, sorry, and the Brisa, at the bottom of the previous page, cannot be Rebbe Yoisi who says that Kodshim Kalim belongs to the owner. Why? It says if someone sells an Oila or Shlomim, an Oila is Kodshay Kodshim, but a Shlomim is Kodshay Kalim, and it still says it's an invalid sale. Now, if you learn like Rebbe Yoisi, that then a shlomim, if, if you learn like Rabbi Yossi, when I have a shlomim, I own it. And therefore, if I try to sell it, it would be a good sale. So by the fact that the price says it's not a good sale, must be it's not like Rabbi Yossi. Okay, now that Rabbi Shaya has established the mission in Tmura as uh, regarding someone who pays a zoina by joining her in, giving her a share in the Kobam Pesach, and it's Rebbe, we see that he holds that even when a person sanctifies their Korban Pesach, they don't sanctify it fully. They withhold from the Kedusha. Now the Gemara asks, So this is, this is what we needed at the beginning of the page. But it says, what is this case of Rebbe Shaias? Is the Tanan, as we learned in a Mishnah, if someone gives a zoina a sacrifice as her payment, it is mutar. It's still mutar as a korban. If someone would give her a chulin bird, a bird that could be a korban, and then she wants to, or someone wants to use it as a korban, that would be also. And oh, what's we come to say? You would have said logically, If a sacrifice, which 
if it had a mum, it would be invalid. It does not become invalidated by being given to a, to a zona. Well, then, well, then a bird which cannot become possible for her through a mum, it definitely shouldn't become invalid through a esnan. And therefore, it should be mutar as a korban. It says, Therefore, the Torah says, for anything that would be used as a korban. Even birds. Even birds used as a korban which could be used as a korban if given to a zona as a payment would become osur, even though there's a kavachomer to say otherwise. Then it says, kavachomer lemukdashim. But now we should say a kavachomer to kodshim. If you have a bird which would not become invalid as a korban, because through a mum, but it can be invalid as a korban being used to pay for a zona or, pay for, or to buy a dog, something kadosh that does become invalid through a mum is it not logical that definitely when it's that korban that's used to pay a zona should become osur so it says no anything that will be used as a neder excluding something that was already um, excluded so that's the price again the price says just, let's just focus on the key point to keep it a little bit more uh, simple, is when someone tr- uses an animal, a sacred animal, to bar, to pay a zona, the sacred animal doesn't become, co- doesn't become deconsecrated, doesn't become invalid as a, co- as a korban. But now, and we said, what's the reason? Because of the special posok, which says, l'chol not neder, only something that will be used as an as a offering, not something that is already vowed as an offering. Says, but now the Gemara Elam time at the cost of Rahman and Neder, Holaf Haki have a minimum Muktoshim Chal Isur Esnan Alem. But wait, you're telling me the only reason that this Korban does not become invalid when it's used to pay a Zona or a or Mechir is an Esnan or Mechir, that means a Zona for a dog, um, it would become. Also, he says, A person is not able to forbid something that is not his. You can't take something that is mine and make it kodosh or make it not kodosh or something like that. And this korban, once something is dedicated as a korban, who does it belong to? Hashem. So, Amar Rav Hoshaya says, no. That's why, so you're right. In general, if someone tried to use a regular korban, if someone tried to use a regular korban to pay a zoina or to buy a dog, that korban would not become osur. And we don't even need a posuk because you can't forbid something that's not yours. And that korban is mamon gvo. It belongs to the heavens. It belongs to Hashem. However, it's a special case here. It's where it's a korban pesach. And a korban pesach, when a person sanctifies a korban pesach, he doesn't sanctify it fully. As we explained, why doesn't he sanctify it fully? This is, again, this is all in Rebbe Shaya, Because... You want people to be able to buy a share in it. If it's completely sanctified, let's say I take a lamb and I sanctify it as a common Pesach completely, according to this understanding, how could I ever sell parts of it to join in their common Pesach? It's not mine to sell. So that's why he says it must be the Pesach is not fully consecrated. And even though it's not really Kodosh, you still, if you try to use it to 
Payazonet will not become Osir. Verebi and his Rebbe. Oh, my Rebbe. Where do we see this opinion of Rebbe de Tanya? As we learned in Abraisa, if there are too few people to register to a lamb, and then obviously you go and you sell portions of the lamb to other people to join in your Koban Pesach. So, what does that mean? He makes a drosh of Meyoyz to you use it for what's necessary for the lamb I, in order to be able to eat it, but not for general purposes. Rebbe Oime, Rebbe says, Rebbe says, no, you can even use this money he received for his common Pesach for anything, even regular purchases, because that's why B'nai Israel sanctify their common Pesach. So that's Rebbe, where we see Rebbe holds, when someone comes to buy a Korban Pesach, the money is chulin in the owner's hands and he can do what he wants with it. Once we have that, then we have to come back to the two answers we gave. How can that money be chulin? So we said again, remember, we said it's either like Rebbe Shaya learns because they don't make their Pesach fully Kodosh. Or like a buyer learned, they don't make the money properly Kodosh. Now the Gemara is just going to bring two Amoraim who had a slightly different way of understanding the Machloikes, um, Rebbe and Rabbonin that we just met. So, Okay, so sorry, let's go one step back. So we just mentioned the Machloikes, Rebbe and Rabbonin. Rabbonin hold that the money that you receive for your Koban Pesach can only be used for La'achila. Whereas Rebbe holds, you can use it for whatever you want. This is now going to qualify. It says everyone agrees. Okay, so if it's to buy wood to roast your common Pesach, you can definitely do that. Because since that's necessary to be able to eat the Pesach, it's like part of the Pesach. Keep Ligi, but Matzu Maror. They're arguing regarding Matzu Maror. Sovri, they hold. The Rebbe, Sovar, Kivay, Dech, Shiro, the Pesach. He could go for the Pesach, Dami. Regarding matzo maror is a little bit different. Rabbonin hold, well, that's a different eating. That's not for eating the common Pesach. And Rebbe holds, no, it's since it's preparation for the Pesach, because as we know, and we're going to see it shortly, the Pesach says, Al matzo sumorim yochelu, you must eat your common Pesach with matzo maror. So Rebbe holds, you can also spend the money received for a common Pesach on eating matzo maror because it's connected to eating the common Pesach. The Chara Omar and the other Amor said, no, but matzo maror and amikuli the cause of matzo sumorim yochelu. Both Rabbonin and Rebbe hold, you could definitely use money received to, for a share in your common Pesach to buy matzo maror because that's, that's, Considered eating, that's preparation for eating the Koban Pesach. The Kivan the Mashrin the Pesach Nenuka Pesach Tami, and since they for preparation in, to enable you to eat the Koban Pesach, because as we said, Al Matzo Sumar in Yochelu, you eat it with Matzo Maru, Kapesach Tami. Now, keep Ligi, where do they argue? Likach Po Choluk, Likach Po Talis, regarding buying a shirt or a jacket or something like that. Rabbonin Sovri Meyois Mise, Omer Akmana, Hech Yuhu Lese. The Rabbonin hold, the Pasuk says, which means it must be used to sustain the seh. Ah, you can only use it what's necessary for the lamb, ah, what's necessary for the Koban Pesach. The Rebbe, Sovar, Hechia, Atzmochomise. No, it says, read it as to sustain yourself from your seh. Um, so, okay, so that's the Machloikes. Again, how the, the Machlokes Amorayim is how far does the Machlokes Tanoim extend? 
according to the first version, it's quite limited to things necessary for the Pesach. If it's directly connected to the Pesach, like the wood to roast it, then you could sell, then you can use that money for that, the money received for the Pesach for that. Um, Rebbe is a little bit more lenient in that version, he holds. No, even for Matzah or Maror. The second version is much more liberal. He says, no, everyone agrees for Matzah and Maror, you, you could use the money received for a Korban Pesach for Matzah or Maror because that's connected to eating the Korban Pesach. Where do they argue? The Rabbanon hold, that's all you can use it for. Only things connected to eating the Korban Pesach. Whereas Rebbe holds, no, you can use it for anything you want. Special Pasuk telling us you can use the money received for the Korban Pesach for anything you want. Now the Gemara just wants to go back and clarify something. Uh, remember, as we started off the discussion, there are two ways of learning Rebbe. Is it because you withhold the Kedusha on the money, or is it because you withhold the Kedusha on the Pesach? Now Baya came along and says, it makes more sense, it's more likely that a person, when they dedicate their Korban Pesach, they've got to dedicate it whole, uh, fully, with full intention. And... Rabbonon, yeah, and, and it's the money, when a person sets aside money, sanctifies money to buy Korban Pesach, that's where he limits it. Now on that, the Bryce mentioned earlier, Shalmanas came, Higdu Yisrael es Pischel, because of that, Bnei Yisrael sanctified their Pesach. Oh, Abayu says, if not for the fact that Rebbe Shaya, who learned the Mishnah, and saying that Rebbe holds you, they restrict the sanctity on the Korban, I would have established it as Kochim Kalim and Rebbe Yosei Glili, but a person would fully dedicate a Kobong Pesach. But we just learned in the Bryce explicitly that Rebbe said, because B'nai Yisrael sanctify their Pesach on this condition. I, they don't fully sanctify their Pesach. So how can a buyer come along and say, no, they do fully sanctify their Pesach, according to Rebbe? She says, Amosha Almanaz Kain Higdishu Yisrael Maus Pesachim. Kuntabayu, you would actually edit the Brysa or read the Brysa as saying, no, that is why they sanctified their money. Okay, so that's the end of that uh, discussion, and we're now going to move on to the next Mishnah. Let's just quickly restart this meeting. Okay, the next Mishnah is discussing regarding offering a common Pesach. We know that someone who's Tomei cannot bring a common Pesach, but they can theoretically. But then they'll be pushed to Pesach Shani and they'll bring it on Pesach Shani. The question that this mission is going to deal with is what happens if someone's Tomei at the moment, but to not, let's assume on Erev Pesach they Tomei, but that night, when it sits, when they come to sit and eat their Pesach, they will be Tohor. Can you offer the common Pesach on their behalf? So that's what we're going to discuss. Um, I'll explain it as there are many different types of tumors that are mentioned, but I'll explain them each as we come to them. So the first one the Mishnah mentions is a Zav. A Zav is a man who sees a certain type of discharge. If he sees it once, okay, well then he goes to Mikveh and that night he is Tahor. If he sees it twice, he has to count seven clean days. On the seventh day he goes to Mikveh and that night he is Tahor. So on the seventh day he goes to mikveh, then he's what's called the tful yom, someone who's doing to mikveh that day, and in the night is tahor. So that's what the and then, yeah, and if he sees it three times, well then not only does he have to wait till the seventh day to go to seven clean days and then go to mikveh and at night is tahor, on the eighth day he has to bring sacrifices before he can even 
bring a korban. So, Zav Sherosh Tayre a Zav who has seen two sightings. Aye, so now he has to keep seven clean days on the, and the seventh day is Erev Pesach. You can check the Pesach on his behalf, even though he's only Tahor that night. Ro'o Sholosh, if he sees the three sightings, you can check it on his behalf on the eighth day. Because on the eighth day, the Kohanim will offer the Korbanos that he needs to offer, and then, at that, and then he'll be Tahor. He'll be able to eat the Korban Pesach that night. Shomer is Yom Keneged Yom. Now this is regarding a Zava, a woman who has a discharge. If a woman sees, um, again, this is blood, it's very similar to Nidadam, but it depends in what time, where in the month of a cycle we're talking about. That's the difference between a Nida and a Zava. Um, but if she sees one sighting, then she just goes to Mikvah the next day and she's tar. If she sees two sightings, so she shall go to Mikvah on the third day and at night she's tar. If she sees three sightings, then she has to count seven clean days. And on the seventh night, the seventh day she goes to Mikvah and at the night she's tar. And on the eighth day she has to bring Korbanos before she can eat Kochim and be involved in a Korban. Um, you know, just to, to keep in mind, our woman, that's why we treat our Noshim as Nidos, as, as not a, as Zavos. That's why they have to count seven clean days. And Nida, as we'll see, we'll touch on it, has slightly different So Shomer, Shom Keneged, Yom Shaltin Oleo Bishaini Shaloh. A woman who saw only one sighting, you can check the Korban Pesach for her on the second day. If she saw for two days and the third day is Erev Pesach, you can check on her behalf and she'll be able to eat because she goes, she's been to Mikvah and that night she'll be tar and able to eat it. A woman who saw three sightings, she's a proper Zava, then you can only check it for her on her eighth day. Again, remember on the seventh day, even though she becomes tar that night, she's still not allowed to eat Kodshim, she's not allowed to eat sacrifices. Because till the carbonos are brought. Now the most is Amar Avyud Amar Av Shaltim Vazarkin Al Tzvul Yom Umachusak Kipurim Ta'im Shaltim Vazarkin Al Tomei Sheret. You're allowed to shecht and sprinkle the blood of the carbon pesach on behalf of a Tzvul Yom. I one of these people like a Zav Zav etc. The cases where they've been to Mitz Mikvah that day and they will be tahor at night. You're allowed to shecht on their behalf. And Machusak Kipurim, I someone who just has to have their sacrifices brought, but you don't shecht. On behalf of someone who's Tomei Sheret. I, someone who touched the Sheret, now still has to go to Mikvah that day. That's what you're going to basically say. They still have to go to Mikvah that day. And at night, they will be Tahar. But if they've just touched the Sheret, you can't sprinkle on their behalf. Ve'ula Amar Afshotim V'zorkin Al Tomei Sheret. Ula says, no, you can shecht and sprinkle the blood on behalf of someone who's Tomei Sheret. For the same reason. Just as they can be ready to eat the Koban Pesach that night by a Tful Yom and a Mechusa Kippurim, so too, by sherets, they can be ready to eat the common Pesach that night. Well, what do they do if they touch the dead sherets that made them tome? They go to mikvah, and then that night, after sunset, they tohor. So now the Gemara asks, Why is there a difference between a tful yom and a sherets? Tful yom, the chazil urta, tome sherets, nami chazil urta. A tful yom, again, someone who's been to mikvah that day, let's say they were a zav or a zav, etc. They've been to mikvah that day, and that, or yashomer is yom, keneged yom, or a zav baal shterius, etc. They've been to mikvah that day, and they will be tar that night. Well, so too, someone who was touched to sherets, they'll go, go to mikvah, and they'll be tar that night. So it's not mechusat tefillah they lack in going to mikvah. When we discuss someone who's tomei sheretz, it means they touch the sheretz that they have, but they haven't been to mikvah. Because if they had been to mikvah, we would be calling them a tful yom, someone who had been to mikvah that day, and they're just waiting for nightfall to be tar. 
But again, so mechusa tefillah is like in tefillah. Oh, tefillah yom nami mechusa harishemesh. But someone who's been to mikveh is missing sunset. They can't eat their kohen pesach until nightfall. It says no shimshem imela or mechusa. Shimsha, the sunset comes automatically. I hear the concern is that he will have to go to mikvah. That's what he's missing in action. Where sunset or, or nightfall happens automatically. But we have the same problem with someone who's lacking atonement. We said a zav bal gimurius or a zava on their eighth day, you can offer a koban pesach on their behalf. But wait. They, you need an action. You need the korban to be offered for them to be allowed to eat their Pesach. So too, like a Tomei Sheret, you need an action. No, we say it's Kippura because his, ne- his nest, the two birds he needs to offer are in his hand, ready to be offered. Well, you can say the same thing about Tomei Sheret. The mikvah is right in front of him. It's easy for him to offer the korban. It's easy for him to go to mikvah. So how can you make a distinction? So the Gemara answers, no, deal with Pasha. Maybe you'll be negligent. Oh, Oh, but then you can say the same thing. Just as he's saying he could theoretically go to Mikvah, but he might be negligent and not go to Mikvah, not go to Mikvah, therefore we don't shech the Pesach on his behalf. Well, so too are these Korbanas. Just as he could offer the Korbanas, the Kohanim might not offer the Korbanas, and therefore he won't be able to do it. He says, no, Kivan the Machashrin ula Beisdin. He gives it over to Beisdin, either Beisdin that ram that runs the temple, look at Rashmaya, and it fits in line with Rashmaya to Omar Chizkiah. The Beisdin of Kohanim, the Beisdin managing, would make sure that all the money set aside for these bird offerings would be offered that day. So you can be guaranteed that if you put money for a korban, so a zav on their eighth day, or a zava on her eighth day would definitely have put put money in the box for their korban to be offered. It would definitely have been done. Whereas going to mikveh is not up to the beisdin and the kohanim where you can say it would definitely have been done. It's up to themselves, which now we have a concern for it becoming osur. But now the Gomorrah is going to challenge. So basically, what have we said? Tomei Sheretz requires an action. The person has to go to mikveh, and only then will he be able to eat the Korban Pesach at night. Therefore, you're not allowed to offer the Korban on his behalf. Unlike a Mechus Atful Yom or a Mechus Kippurim, where you could offer the Korban on their behalf. But what do we say? We're basically saying it's a, cons- it's a rabbinic concern. Strictly speaking, you could offer the Korban Pesach for him, and he'll go to mikveh and be able to eat it that night. Again, Tomei Sheretz. However... That would be Doraisa, but the Rabbana, they're concerned that he won't go to Mikvah, so therefore you're not allowed to. We're going to show that Rav actually holds that he's not allowed to offer his Koban Pesach Doraisa. So that's the problem the Gemara is. Rav, Doraisa, Mitzvah, Chazi, Rabbana, Nudu, Gosrubah. You're telling me that according to Rav, Doraisa, he could offer the Koban Pesach. We know that, but the Rabbana, he can't. We know that Rav holds Doraisa, you can. As we going, we learned earlier that if what if half of Bnei Israel are Tomei and half of Bnei Israel are Tohor? What did Rav said? Make one of them Tomei Sheretz, so that the rest of Bnei so that everyone is Tomei and then they can offer their korban, so that a majority of Bnei Israel are Tomei and they can offer their korban. Now by the fact that, now if Doraisa, someone who's Tomei Sheretz, could offer their korban Pesach, well then he, when adding him to the side of people who are Tomei, would not limit would not take away from that you have enough of Bnei Israel that could offer their Korban Pesach. So it must be that Rav holds that making someone Tomei Sheretz makes them Da'oraisa not able to 
Hafer Korban Pesach. So let's just see that inside. Alama Omar Rav. Why does Rav say Metamim Echod Mehem Besheret? You make one of the people Tame Besheret. Again, if it's only a Durabonan, if it only ruins him from offering the Pesach Durabonan, well then Doraisa, you still have a majority of an Israel who can offer, or a 50% of an Israel who can offer their Pesach Betahara, and you haven't achieved anything. So El Rav, rather, according to Rav, Doraisa, it's not fit to sieve. Ish Ish Kiyeh Tomei Lenefesh. According to Rav, the Orisa is also not fitting. To see as it's written, a man who will be Tomei Lenefesh. Now, it must be discussing a case where the seventh day of this Tomei Mace fell out on Erev Pesach. The Hainu Tumasheret, which is the same as Tumasheret. Then, how does someone who's Tomei from a Mace purify themselves? So, on the third day from becoming Tomei, you sprinkle the Poradum on them. On the seventh day, you sprinkle the Poraduma on them. Sprinkle the water from the Poraduma on them. And then they go to Mikveh and at nightfall they Tahor. That's the same as someone who's Tomei Sheretz. The seventh day is the same as someone who's Tomei Sheretz. They go to Mikveh and then at nightfall they Tahor. So, Va'omar Achmona and the Torah says, Nidchi, they push to Pesach Shani. So we see that Doraisa, someone who's Tomei Sheretz, cannot offer a Korban Pesach. Avil, Chitei Dahachi, who says we're talking on the seventh day? Again, we said when the Torah comes along and says someone who's Tomei Mace is pushed to Pesach Shani, we just said that's on the seventh day. Who says it's on the seventh day? Maybe it's on another day and that's why they'll never be fit that night. But Einachinami, if they would be fit that night, there's no. So, who said, there were these Jews who were Tomei from burying people who needed to be buried. And now their seventh day of Tumor was an Erev Pesach. The Pasuk emphasizes they were not able to do the Pesach on that day. On that day they're not able to offer it, but on the following day they are able to offer it. And the Rahmana says, they all pushed aside. So we see it. So let's just go back a step. Yeah, let's clarify Rav. And then we'll move on for a few more minutes. I don't, we're not going to get to the bottom of the page. Um, Rav says as follows. Rav says if someone is a Zav on their seventh day, or a, a sorry, a Zav Balsterius on their seventh day, or on their eighth day, and they've still need the Korbanos to be offered, etc. In both those cases, you can offer the Korban Pesach for them, even though they'll only be fit that night. However, if he's Tomei from touching a Sheretz, you cannot offer the Korban Pesach on him. And we struggled to find what's the reason behind Rav. And our first suggestion that that kind of worked, except it contradicted another point of Rav, is that no, Doraisa, someone who's touched the Sheretz, they will be fit to eat the Korban Pesach that night if they go to Mikvah, so they are, they could offer the Korban Pesach. However, since Beisdin were concerned, maybe you'll be negligent and not go to Mikvah, we say you're not allowed to offer the Korban Pesach on his behalf. That's why someone who's Tomei Sheretz is not allowed. We came along and we said that can't be, because Rav holds that a Tomei Sheretz is... Doraisa Tomei and not allowed to offer a Korban Pesach. And that's why um, 
We ex- so, so, what, so, so therefore we explained Rav as comparing a Tomei Sheretz to a Mace Mitzvah to, to someone who's Thomas Mace on their seventh day. Again, what happens on the seventh day? He gets sprinkled with the Porah Duma and then he goes to Mikvah and that night is Tohor, which is the same as someone who touches a Sheretz. They have to go to Mikvah. So, so this Tomei Mace on his seventh day has to go to Mikvah and then at night is Tohor. So to this Tomei Sheretz has to go to Mikvah and at night is Tohor. And he proves how Rav learns the Sukkim that someone who is in that state that has to go to Mikvah that day and will only be pure that night is not valid to offer the Korban Pesach. Um, interestingly enough, if he would go to Mikvah, and then they would then they would be able to offer the Korban Pesach for him because he would only be at full Yom. So that's why he really should go to Mikvah. He shouldn't say, you know what, I'm going to leave it for Pesach Shaini. He must go to Mikvah so that he's able to offer the Korban Pesach that day. But again, until he's gone to Mikvah, it would be also to Shech the Korban Pesach on his behalf. Um, now we're just going to challenge Rav. says, Tnan, we learned in our Mishnah, Zav Sherosh, Deiri Yoshot, Denolav Bishvi. My love, the Lord Tovil. A Zav who saw two ears, you can shed for him on his seventh day. Remember, on the seventh day, he goes to Mikvah and at that is Tahor. And we assume it must be that he has not yet gone to Mikvah. And still it says that you can shed for him. And therefore, it would be the exact same as a Tomei Sheretz. Again, a Tomei Sheretz is someone who needs to go to Mikvah and that night is Tor. Well, we're speaking about a Zav who needs to go to Mikvah and that night is Tor. And you can shecht on behalf of the Zav, so you should also be allowed to shecht on behalf of the Tomei Sheretz. It says, Lord, the Tovil, no, the case of the Zav is where he went to Mikvah already. Uh, he went to Mikvah and he will be Tor that night. Unlike the Tomei Sheretz is where he did not go to Mikvah. Oh, if he did go to Mikvah, what's the Chidosh? He says, no. He says, no. What it's coming to teach us is that at night, that even though at the moment he cannot eat from a Korban, since tonight he will be able to automatically, because as soon as it becomes dark, he's completely tar. The Chidosh is that you can shecht on his behalf. And this actually makes most, most sense to say we're speaking about a case where he's already been to Mikvah. We learned in the next clause of the, of the Mishnah. If he saw three sightings, then you can only shift on the eighth day. The Koban Pesach, if Erev Pesach is on his eighth day. Why? Because remember, someone who, a Zav who sees on three sightings on one day or three sightings on three days, he has to count seven clean days. Again, he goes to Mikvah and that night is taught. But he's still Mechusa Kapara. He has to offer Korbanos on the eighth day before he can. So if it's his eighth day, then you can. Now it says, If you want to tell me that the case of the Zav who saw twice, when the Mishnah discussed the Zav who saw twice and we're discussing his seventh day, it's where he already went to Mikvah. Itzrich, now I need the second clause. Maybe only a Zav who saw twice on his seventh day because he's not missing any action. What's he missing? Just not for, which happens automatically. Whereas a Zav on his eighth day is missing an action. What action is he missing? The Kobanas have to be offered. So the Mishnah is coming to teach us that even though he's missing this action, you can offer the Koban Pesach on his behalf. If you say that he saw two reels on the seventh day, the Lord Tovil, 
is where he did not go to mikveh. What's the chiddush of saying on the eighth day? Says if you want to tell me that the case of the zavusor twice, and we discussed in the seven days where he did not go to mikveh, I used to be saying someone who's proper tome because they still have to go to mikveh. You can check the Pesach on his behalf. Well, then obviously someone who's only mostly Tahar, he just needs Kabbalah's offered, you can check on his behalf. So there would be no need to, te- to teach the second case. It's clear from our Mishnah that when it says if he saw two sightings, so on his seventh day you can check the Pesach for him, must be where he's already been to Mikvah. So, so that's how we want to suggest the proof from our Mishnah. Again, that, yeah, I'll come back to it. It says, not necessarily. This is no. Even if you want to say that it's a case where he has not gone to Mikvah on the seventh day, and as, even though he has not yet gone to Mikvah, since he can go to Mikvah you, and be Tahar that night, you can offer the Korban on his behalf. We still need the novelty of the eighth day because the eighth day is relying on someone else to bring a korban for him. So maybe that shouldn't be okay. We learn, like Rav Shmaya, that it can be done on his behalf. Um, yeah. So, in short, this last, again, I tried to reject Rav, but again, how it comes out, just to focus on the key points for us, it comes out that. Um, it comes out that this that what's clear is someone who's a Zav or a Zav or a Zav Balsterios on on their seventh day who has been to Mikvah they're what's called a full yom. They've been to mikvah that day. They're just waiting for sunset. You can definitely offer the common Pesach on their behalf. And that's also on the eighth day when all they're lacking is the korban to be offered. You can also shech the korban Pesach on their behalf even though until the, if the korbanos are not offered they won't be able to eat the, kor, the korban that night. You can offer the korban for them because... Um, because you can rely on the, this based in that directs the Kohanim that they will definitely offer the Korban on that day. The question is, what about Tomei Sheretz? I, someone who has not, who was Tomei from a Sheretz and has not yet been to Mikvah. Or a Zav who was, I mean, we couldn't prove it conclusively by a Zav. But what happens by Sheretz? They, if they have not yet gone to Mikvah, there's them going to Mikvah is in the way. And even if sunset comes, if they have not yet gone to Mikvah, they won't be able to eat the common Pesach. So Rav says you can't. And we brought that that's from the Posuk. The special Joshua. That even though theoretically he could go to Mikvah and he could be told to eat the common Pesach that night, you're still not allowed to shecht on his behalf. But Ula says no, it makes no difference. Since he could go to Mikvah and be told that night, you can offer the common Pesach on his behalf. And then I just said, I think it's interesting, so I just want to re-emphasize it, is that even though, so you have someone who, let's say they wake up Pesach, Erev Pesach, they're doing a last bit of cleaning out their house before they go up to Yerushalayim to offer their korban. And they accidentally realize while they, they touch a lizard, let's say it's one of the Shmonashrotim, a dead lizard, and now they tome. If they go to Mikvah quickly and then go up to Yerushalayim to offer the korban Pesach, 
the Kom Pesach can be offered on their behalf because they're a Tful Yom. They're not Tomei Sher. It's a Tful Yom. They're someone who's been to Mikvah that day and will be automatically tom, Tahar at nightfall to eat their Kom Pesach. However, if they have not yet gone to Mikvah, it is also to offer the Kom Pesach on their behalf. But they are still obligated. You have an obligation to put yourself in the situation. At least this is our sum learned. You have the obligation to put yourself in the situation that you can offer your Korban Pesach. So on, as you currently are, since you Tomei Sheretz and you haven't been to Mikvah, it would be also to offer a Korban Pesach on your behalf. You're obligated to try to go to the Mikvah so that the Korban Pesach can be offered on your behalf. And we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos and I'll see you Sunday. Sunday I'll probably go from the Mishnah at the bottom of Sadi Alifamu Days.